0: Good evening, everyone. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and I'll be hosting a special live broadcast tonight on 760 WJR. We're going to be talking about the prevention of disease and the urgency of taking action before the onset of serious medical problems. Dr. Brian Collander, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention, is here tonight to talk about how to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether and what you need to do to prevent Alzheimer's and many other chronic diseases. If you have a question, we're opening up the lines and taking your calls, so please make a note of this number, 800-8590-957. We'll be repeating it throughout the show, and this is your chance to talk directly to the doctor. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. You're listening to 760 WJR. Again, I'd like to welcome all of you to a special medical show here on 760 WJR. I'm Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here tonight to talk to you about prevention and why you have to start looking at healthcare from a different perspective. Dr. Brian Collender, MD, is joining us from Birmingham, Michigan, to give us some hard talk about dealing with our health and making sure we get the necessary testing. We're inviting you to call in if you have a question and you want to talk to the doctor directly at 800 859 Make a note of it. It's 800 859 Dr. Collender, we're always glad to have you here. Welcome back from Greece and your vacation time. But uh, today you've brought one of your patients, long-standing patients. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you. We're very happy to have you here. Dr. Collender, tell us, why did you invite this particular patient in today?
1: Well, you know, Andrew's already always uh, presented some interesting challenges for me. Um, and we'll talk about them throughout the show. So, He was in for his physical this week and there was, a—I want to say, a dramatic shift in the approach based on the things that we do in our office. So I thought, hey, come on in, Andrew, and and he's uh, brave and willing to come in and share his uh, health journey with us. And uh, so we'll get into some details of what it looks like to handle a preventive patient someone from that preventive point of view.
0: Well, also, when I spoke to Andrew earlier in the week, I found it very interesting. He is a long-standing patient of yours. He's been going to you, I believe, for more than 20 years when you were a regular common garden variety, you know, PCP doctor, not investing the time and energy into taking a deep dive into prevention. And then he transitioned over with you
1: and is still with you. Well, he and you probably just started practicing law when I started practicing medicine. Yeah, right, so uh, we probably started around the same time.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a easy transition for me into the concierge service. Um, you know, first came about. I wasn't really familiar with with what the practice was at all. Uh, but I had a great relationship with Dr. Colander and wanted to stick with him if that model would work for me. And so I gave it a try and um, found that it's it's a great system for me and I think for a lot of people. Um, certainly. From an availability standpoint, he's, you know I'm not a heavy user of his time, but when I do need him, he's easy to get a hold of. Uh, I, you know, before COVID he used to travel a lot and, and I would have his text and phone. And if I needed something, had a question on medication, he's always available. And, and I, and I found to really appreciate that. Um, and then the experience in the office is really different. Um, it, it's most, you can always get an appointment.
0: Yes, uh, and the appointments a, 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 are on time.
2: And they're on time. If there's, you have a
0: 2 o'clock appointment, <laughs> you're seeing them at two oh one. Yep, there's no waiting. There's no and, waiting, absolutely. And, and
2: generally, I'm the only person in the office, or maybe there's one other patient there who's leaving, but it's really a one-on-one experience when you go into the office, um, and he's able to spend as much time as he needs. Sometimes it's a short visit. Sometimes, you know, he needs to spend a little more time, and he does, so... For me, i found that, uh, you know, it's a good fit for me in terms of, um, you know, my medical needs, you know, this stage of my life.
0: Well, let's go back aside from this stage in your life. You're certainly not old by any means right now, but, you know, you were in the practice for, what, 20-something years? And when you first started with Dr. Collender, did you present with any specific problems?
2: Uh, Honestly, I don't remember. I think I first started going uh, just through Beaumont uh, because my work uh, was required to get an an annual physical. So I started Mm -hmm. finding a doctor and and starting my annual physical process. Um, But I know pretty early on after I started seeing him, I I developed high blood pressure. Um, And that was sort of when we started looking at, you know, what some of the underlying issues and and started thinking about prevention. Uh, But that switched certainly more when you got into the concierge of, of treating some of the issues that I'm dealing with, but also focusing a lot more on what can I be doing uh, going forward uh, from a lifestyle standpoint. And, and so it's a good balance for me uh, and something that I've been comfortable with.
0: So Dr. Callender, tell us a little bit, a, a bit about when Andrew first started, presented with you, what was his situation? And and give us a little bit more of his journey from your point of view as a doctor.
1: Well, like he said, he's, uh, you know, we're the same age or very close and, as a, even as a young guy, and, and Andrew's certainly healthy appearing. You know, he's, you know, thin, and, you know, he's intelligent, obviously, and he comes in with high blood pressure. We start treating him for blood pressure. And, again, this is back before concierge when we had five minutes. Sure. So it's here's, you know, take your blood pressure medicine. I'll see you in a month or two, recheck the blood pressure, make adjustments. And he also had a lot of lipid issues which perplexed me. So, so what are
0: lipid issues?
1: Cholesterol problems. Mm-hmm. So now... In other words, he had high
0: cholesterol. Right, had high saying?
1: cholesterol. So in the traditional system, the whole goal is to get low numbers. And so, you know, we struggled or I struggled to get his numbers down and we tried all kinds of medications to get the numbers down. Um, and that's been our journey through... The into the concierge practice when we started focusing on prevention and we had a shift. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, you, he was on two or three lipid medicines at some point, along with one or two blood pressure pills. Uh, and still, I was never really happy with the numbers. They never really hit the goals established by the system. Mm hmm. And so he's still
0: with you and thankful that you've managed to stay on top of his journey. I mean, he didn't have any catastrophic events happen thanks to being in this type of system and also transitioning over to, you're certainly doing more investigative tests. You're doing tests that no one does. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, he's been here through the whole course of the practice changing. So we may have to talk about this next segment because it's a, that's a long answer, but you know, we've evolved during the time he's been here. So he's been through some shifts in the thought process.
0: Well, I guess let's come back and talk more about that journey on the other side of the break. Again, you're listening to our weekly live medical radio show where we keep you up to date on all medical solutions from dealing with COVID to avoiding catastrophic disease. We're here with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, talking about prevention. If you have a specific question and you'd like to talk to the doctor directly about what you need to do to prevent or reverse disease, please call and talk to the doctor at 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live weekly medical show on 760 WJR. We're back again with Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician in Birmingham, Michigan. As a recognized leader in the field of catastrophic disease prevention, including heart attack, stroke, diabetes, and many chronic conditions, he's here tonight to give us some hard advice on what we need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke altogether. Through advanced and more sophisticated diagnostic technology, We are now able to arrest and prevent the progress of these silent killers. We're inviting listeners to call in with your questions at 800-859-0957. Siobhan, welcome back to the show. I know you're piping in from Atlanta. You have a caller?
3: Thank you. Yes, we have Greg from Shelby on the line. Greg, welcome back to calling into the show. What's your question?
1: Hey, you guys. Thanks for taking my call, Mr. Positive. Hey, something's Dr. Collender and the all-star crew, Um, I love that you get to people right away when they come in and see you. Oh my God, that's fantastic. But something very important is happening November 8th and you being a medical, uh, professional,
0: I don't know if this would be germane, but what is your position on proposal three?
1: Well, we've, thanks for calling Greg. We've talked about this before and, you know, I am. For choice, which is, you know, everyone should have a choice to take a procedure that is FDA approved. And this is an approved, you know, safe procedure that everyone should be able to have access to. Um, and that is my position. I don't see any reason that the government should get involved in patient care. Um, there should be, these are decisions that should be made between the doctor and the patient. And that's it, period no one else should be telling anybody else what to do about their health care.
0: I would definitely have to agree with that, Siobhan. What do you think? I mean, it's uh, it, it's definitely, uh, it should be left in the hands of the medical doctors and not because there's no way that somebody that's not a medical doctor can handle these situations.
3: Right. Well, like Dr. Colander said, if it's FDA approved, you know, it's considered a presumably safe thing and it should be up to the person to choose if they want to take that treatment, of course.
0: Well, let's come back. Thanks for calling, Greg. Um, one of the things we want to come back to talking to Andrew about and, and certainly something that Greg piped in about is the fact that during the transition to the concierge practice, I mean, time is important to everybody. It's not just about your health care and seeing your doctor, but so many people go in their warehoused in waiting rooms for one hour, two hours, three hours, and you can lose half a day. And the difference between the concierge practice, aside from all the benefits that you're getting, and certainly with Dr. Collender with the practice of prevention, is when you walk in, you're the only one there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's um, you know I got a busy schedule, work a lot, and for me, it's very convenient to uh, to be able to know I got a schedule uh, and I got an appointment time, and I'm going to be able to get in and, and see them at that time. Um, but it's also, and we doctor started talking about a little bit, it, it is that. When we transitioned over uh, and and after a few years and you, know, you sort of had different models and sort of different programs but it's transitioned to the stage where there's a lot more in-depth analysis being done so I feel like that I'm getting a lot more attention in terms of looking at me specifically rather than just generic take your blood pressure take a little bit of blood and get you out the door versus you know every year we, we do a complete analysis of my blood work and you can speak more to it but it's a very in-depth analysis. That's what's led him to sort of start looking and thinking more about some of the underlying conditions I have of trying to go a little more in-depth of, of, you know, what's going on, trying to figure out why, and then also looking at what we can do to, to deal with it now instead of 15 or 20 years down the line. You know, I think you know, we talked last time I was in, you were saying, you know, look, nothing's going to happen to me immediately, but if, if my situation, in terms, you know, my insulin resistance doesn't change, And we're not able to to sort of take some preventative steps in 15, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, I'm probably looking at being diabetic and other issues. And so it's sort of dealing with it now instead of 20 years from now.
0: Well, I think what's important here from what you've been saying is that you what you got was a coach and a partner in your health journey. You did have issues. And, um, you know, obviously, Dr. Collender, in this type of practice, that where he gives a lot of time, and you you do have access to tests that no one else has access to. You you you're going down this journey with a partner. In the meantime, Siobhan, you have another caller.
3: We do. We have David from Windsor on the line. David, what's your question?
4: Yes. Good Good evening, Dr. Calendar, and extinguished guest. One of the things that uh, we discover here in Ontario is the fact that we have the same system that you're experiencing here as we do in and across the border very very poor medic medical system that needs to be straightened around and it's just because there are so many people that are like our like our drug that get help with the drug addicts seem to get more of the attention as opposed to those who have very very serious medical conditions that need to be dealt with and deep and need to be dealt with immediately and are waiting in, waiting in clinics and doctor's offices for hours. What can you suggest can be done about that in the system to try to correct the system in terms of reducing wait times for those that can be seen by their doctor?
1: Well, David, that is a phenomenal question, and I'm going to have to defer the answer to You know, I've got another project that I'm working on, and I'm working on it with Anne Marie that will, you know, hopefully resolve some of these issues where we can provide preventive care in scale to people where you can, you know, only need to go to your doctor for a sore throat or back pain. And a lot of these preventive issues can be handled very efficiently. So that's a great question that we don't have an answer to, that we're working on having an answer for. Um, so that's that's to, you know, keep waiting, but we're, we're going to try to deliver it.
0: And again, what I take from these types of calls that we've had very often is what's missing out there. We get calls from all over the country. We get calls from Europe. Where we're certainly getting an abundance of calls from people, patients out there that are lost. But I would say the first step is for people to, understand and take a deep dive and a deep look into what you get out of a concierge practice. And then beyond that, within the concierge practice, find a doctor who specializes in prevention. Because we do have the technology here. You're providing the technology for finding out whether anyone is at risk before they develop the disease.
1: Well, I'm going to get into Andrew a little bit and, you know, his health issues that we've been challenged with and why he's interesting to me. Um, So, when we started doing concierge medicine and we were dipping our toe into prevention, let's put it that way, um, you know, I want to say Andrew's lipid panel is scary. You know, you don't, I've said this in, in person, so he doesn't mind me saying it while he's here on the radio, but he's got a very abnormal lipid panel where everything is wrong. And so when you're following the standard system, you know, we're putting him on medicine to treat the numbers where I want to lower the lipid number, the LDL. I want to lower the, you know, triglyceride numbers. And so he's on, you know, before we went into prevention, he's on multiple meds, like we said, two to three lipid medicines, you know, a couple blood pressure pills. And the whole thing changed when we started doing the CIMTs. So Andrew, of course, does, you know, he's very, very compliant and, We do his first CIMT, which is a carotid intima media thickness test. It provides data points that measure risk of having a heart attack or stroke more so than any lipid measurement that we have. So
0: That anyone has. It's
1: like the most important test that's out there to
0: to find where you stand with risk. It's
1: the best data point that we have for risk assessment. And his CIMT numbers are perfect. So here's somebody who's got horrible lipids, high blood pressure, and he's a thin young guy, and um, and he has no plaque.
0: That's so, amazing.
1: Well, you're listening, Siobhan? That's amazing, right? I mean, so
3: what does this mean? And we might not have enough time to well, cover that. Well, what of the it segment. means
1: is I'm stopping his meds. You know why am I treating? Why am I putting him on a cholesterol medicine when he doesn't have plaque? If he doesn't have the disease that the cholesterol medicine is for. Why put him on meds? So we stopped his meds.
0: Well, let's come back and talk about that on the other side of the break. Again, you're listening to a special live medical broadcast on the prevention and medical management of disease. If you have a specific question and you would like to talk to the doctor directly, about what you need to do to avoid heart attack and stroke, or you have a question on any of the subjects we're discussing tonight, please give us a call at 800-859-0957. Again, that's 800-859-0957. You're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to our special live medical broadcast on News Talk 760 WJR. We are fortunate to have Dr. Brian Collender, MD, internal medicine physician and specialist in prevention here tonight to give us some straight talk about two important topics prevention and being proactive. Please tune in to our weekly shows, Sunday afternoon at three and live Thursday at seven. We're inviting you to call in with your questions and talk to the doctor directly at eight hundred eight five nine zero nine five seven. Siobhan, we're back. You have a caller, and then we're going to come back to Andrew's story.
3: Yeah, we do. We have Rita on the line in Sterling Heights. Rita, what's your question?
5: Well, I'm going to make it very brief because I don't want to belabor the topic tonight, but um, a question that I had on um, Proposal 3 wasn't uh, addressed, and I'm going to ask the question and you can answer it if you have time before the end of the show. Um, I just read the whole proposal, and it does not um, protect women. You know, I mean, a lot of people want to vote for what you just said, the way you described that proposal, but it makes no provision for uh, parents knowing if a 13-year-old child gets pregnant and can go in there and have an abortion without parental consent or knowledge. That's the scary part. That's the part everybody is saying, please vote no on this. It's not safe for the women. There's no – retro. you can't you can't sue a doctor for, mal- for, you know, botching up a job. There's just no protection. So answer that when you have time, if you can, and that's – I just wanted to make the statement that it's not just a, a right for a woman to make a choice to have a baby or not. It has. We're saying no because of the ramifications for children. And well, it does not Rita, be a Rita we've got
0: other callers, and I do thank you for calling, but that's kind of a political issue that unfortunately is left in each individual's discretion to... Make you know make the choices to how they want to vote, and certainly you know Doctor Collander and the other doctors are here to save lives and do what's best for the health of the patients. So we're going to have to, like, pass on any any political questions. But I do thank you for your call and wish you the best. Siobhan, do you have any other callers?
3: Uh, We don't have other colors at the moment, but we, we had an interesting conversation over the break just talking about sort of analyzing all the data that comes in when you're looking at someone's health. And, you know, in this case, someone's lipids could look normal or abnormal, but you have to do the CIMT to sort of determine what exactly is going on. And, you know, I was referencing my case where, you know, when I did my panel with Dr. Collender, my lipids looked more or less normal, but my CIMT was abnormal. So it's just an interesting topic to talk about.
1: Well, the key here is disease identification, which means we want to identify the disease that we're treating. In this case, if we're going to prevent heart attacks and strokes, the disease is plaque, atherosclerosis. You have to see it. And then what's great about the CIMT is it provides data points that we can follow our progress. So coming back to, you know, Siobhan, of course, has perfect blood work, yet she has plaque. And despite normal lipids, she's on medicines to manage her plaque. And the opposite spectrum is Andrew who had horrible lipids and no plaque. So what I did is I stopped his lipid medicines because he doesn't have the disease that we're treating with the the idea is that lipids are really not a great measure of risk. They didn't help measure Siobhan's risk and they don't measure Andrew's risk. Um
0: So what you're saying here is that it's not enough. We go to our regular PCP, we get regular screening the blood test that we, we're looking at, the lipid measurement, you know, and, and getting that kind of data from, just simply isn't good enough. No. So basically what you are saying is that everybody, no matter who they are, ought to have the CIMT test. And
1: and it should be done as early as possible. Like and what's we used as early to say as 30, possible? Well, we've talked about patients who are 26, 27, who have horrible lipid panels, inflammation markers, and IMT measurements. So... You know it. You know how do you stri- how do you decide to say this on a population basis? I think a safe age is thirty, unless of course you've got a very strong family history of diabetes or heart disease. Then why not start at twenty? The earlier you have the information, you're starting at a better place. So, for instance, Andrew, hor- again, no offense, you're not taking offense. To this horrible lipids, no plaque. So I stop his lipids because I believe in the system, and you know, COVID comes and, you know, he goes through a, a, an improvement in your lifestyle. Yeah,
2: absolutely. But working out more, eating better, uh, more time at home, a lot more exercise, better
1: better diet. And this is without plaque. So even though we did our studies and did not find plaque, you stepped up your game and said, well, I'm still going to do better. And he did. And he did the best he could to manage his lipids. And we did a follow-up lab test. Um and what happened is we did a sorry follow CIMT. Is follow CIMT does show some plaque for the first time, but a normal intima-media measurement. So just a little bit of plaque, and a normal intima-media measurement, which, which measures risk. So we kind of I kind of hedged my bet here a little bit and said, do a little bit of Lipitor, you know, or or Crestor, and take as you know as much as you think you can. Um, we we did his physical which we reviewed this week and found his inflammation markers were not good. Mm -hmm. So the difference between inflammation markers and the CIMT is a CIMT is a fixed measurement that tells us where your disease is. And of course, if there's a worsening, you can presume there's active plaque formation, but a CIMT was a year ago and the lab work was elevated. Um, And so You know, we took a pretty drastic change, which is I kind of went all in. I went from stop meds because you don't have plaque to all in because he has so many drivers of disease, meaning his major issue is insulin resistance.
0: Um, Before we continue on with Andrew's story, I just want to address the uh, elephant in the room here in this conversation. And that is that the CIMT and many of the tests that you're doing are unfortunately not covered by insurance. And that is the big issue here, is that Americans need to wake up and realize that if they're going to their normal PCP, their normal internal medicine doctor, which obviously you were at one point and then transitioned over, you have access to this plethora of tests. And one of the most important tests, albeit not covered by insurance, only costs, what, 200 $250? Right. But it's the keys to the kingdom. That's the point. Right. And so the point is that we have to encourage listeners to know that just because you have, you know, as as in the case with Andrew, you have all the blood tests, you have the lipid. And with Siobhan, another perfect example. And also one of the girls that used to work for you, young, eager, thin, you know, looking fabulous, she had the highest CIMT
1: score in your office. Right, the most plaque burden.
0: The most plaque. And, you know, while we're 22 on this, years old. 22 years old. And, I mean, had you not insisted that your office staff all and all take the test, she would never have found out. So at 22 years old, she's got the opportunity now to do something about it. And then we wouldn't have the CDC coming in at the end of the year saying 700,000 men drop dead of the widowmaker because the tests are out there. People just have to buy into the fact that they need to buy into it, unfortunately, because CT cardiac calcium scoring test has been out for 20 years and it's still not covered by insurance. And I'm letting you take the floor now that I've had my piece.
1: Thanks. (laughs) You know, it's all about, you know, screening and prevention requires screening. So in the real world, which is the bad place to be, you know, for instance, Andrew wouldn't know he has plaque because you don't have plaque or you don't have the disease of heart disease until you've had a heart attack or a stroke or you've had symptoms that lead to a stent. Until those things occur, you don't have the disease, so there's no diagnosis code to go with it that's billable. So in order to prevent disease, meaning prevent a problem from happening, you a got to screen for it. Screening what? is not covered. The dirty word there in the room was billable. Right.
0: Who cares about billable? We're talking about lives here. We're oh, no, talking- I understand,
1: but this is what... The listening audiences understand that this is what's between them and staying alive Right, is insurance companies and billable diagnoses and billable procedures. And that's why they're dying is because their doctors are tied to a system that doesn't care about you, only that you make money because you have a disease. You, there's nothing happening to stop you from having that disease.
0: And that's where pharma can kick in and make their millions. Okay, in the meantime, we're going to, have to take a quick break. You are listening to a special live broadcast tonight where the topic is your health and how to prevent disease. When we come back, if you have a specific question on the subjects we're discussing tonight and you would like to talk directly to the doctor, please call us at 800-859-0957. Again, that number is 800 859 0957 you're listening to 760 WJR. Welcome back to the final segment of our special weekly live broadcast here on 760 WJR on the importance of being proactive and informed of the resources available to prevent and treat chronic and debilitating disease. You're listening to the expert advice of Dr. Brian Collander MD, internal medicine physician and one of the very few specialists in prevention in this country. If you have a question for the doctor, now is your chance to call us at 800-859-0957. Before we lose our last segment, Ashley, you've got people on Facebook that are calling in. Do you have a question for the doctor? Yes. We have a question from Kelly, and she says, My husband's lipids are scary, too. Triglycerides are in Tricals the thousands. Right. Uh-huh. His doctor put him on metformin. And now he's labeled diabetic in his DX codes. Life insurance
4: rates jumped.
1: Well, wow. you know, the high, high triglycerides don't define diabetes. An elevated blood sugar does on two occasions. Blood sugar is over 126. Um, a hemoglobin with C elevation can be diabetic. Um, you know, so this is, again, another problem. And this is where Andrew comes in, which is, High triglycerides, low HDLs, other patterns that we see in lipid, uh, in the lipids. Um, I do additional lipid markers that look at particle numbers. And so these are trends that I look at to identify insulin resistance. So, on a positive note, you know, your husband has been identified as somebody who has insulin resistance at the least, diabetes at the worst. And you're already on some type of therapy. Now, I would not recommend metformin because metformin does not have outcome data. So outcome data means data that a drug stops an event. So in our, my case, I only use drugs that stop heart attacks and strokes. So for instance, Andrew, when he came back for his physical this last year, uh, last week, his inflammation markers were unacceptably elevated to me. So we have his CIMT from a year ago, which identified new plaque, but a normal IMT uh, elevation, which means, again, low risk. But when we did the blood work this week, his inflammation markers were high, which is telling me that he's making plaque, a lot of plaque. And so I decided to get aggressive with his lipid management and management of of his insulin resistance. So I put him on a higher dose of a statin because statins lower artery inflammation. Again, I don't have an LDL or cholesterol goal to meet. The goal is that we reduce his artery inflammation markers. And then from his insulin resistance perspective, instead of putting him on metformin, I put him on a drug called pioglitazone, which is a very potent drug originally indicated for diabetes, but because it's generic now, I can... Reappropriate it as an insulin resistant drug, and the reason I use pioglitazone instead of metformin is that pioglitazone has a lot of outcome data, many studies that show pioglitazone prevents heart attacks and strokes, and it directly impacts the mechanism of insulin resistance. Um, and there's a lot of other great drugs that help insulin resistance. And to the caller was a Kelly. Um, being labeled diabetic yes it might make your life insurance risk go up and your uh, premium go up but it gives your husband access to other drugs that also reduce insulin resistance so i hate to say it if you're going to go through the effort of being labeled diabetic and have that as a, diag- as a diagnosis code on your chart you're better off using a lot of other drugs than metformin it's like that's like the you know the low hanging fruit but it does nothing so, there's a lot Dr. of Dr. Connor,
3: While n- not to interrupt you, but while we're on it, can you um, describe for the listeners and for me also the difference between insulin resistance and diabetes? Like, is there is there a point that you have to reach? At which point you become diabetic? Like, what exactly determines the difference between one and the other?
1: Well, insulin resistance is the process of becoming diabetic. So, to me, the term diabetic is useless. That's a random point in time or a level of insulin resistance that the FDA has decided to give you the diagnosis that correlates to pancreatic failure, the failure of your body to administer and, and manage glucose. So I prefer to identify this problem 20 years before that happened. So with Andrew, we've been identifying this for a long time. And I finally, we decided because of the labs that I do get aggressive and you know and he's gotten a lot of lifestyle recommendations to you know do what he can do to manage his insulin resistance and now we're on potent insulin resistance drugs diabetes is just advanced insulin resistance and why the problem is for the caller her husband doesn't get to be treated until he's further along in the process the problem is being exposed to insulin resistance creates chronic disease, so these are lost years for all Americans to be fail to be screened for a condition that's preventable.
3: Right. So, in other words, we need ahead. to be screening for for insulin resistance at the stage before it becomes diabetes. Once it's diabetes, it's already it's end stage, as you would like to say.
1: You want to screen for insulin resistance in every single patient, and then address them aggressively based on the rest of their profile meaning do they have plaque or not? Are they making plaque or not? And regardless of the degree of their insulin resistance, treat it appropriately based on their risk. You know, what's their CIMT measurements? What are their inflammation markers? Give them a chance to lower their insulin resistance by lifestyle and not go on drugs, which is what we did with Andrew. But his labs came in this week you know again unacceptable to me so i would rather be very aggressive make sure he doesn't make plaque any more than he already has reduce the plaque that we've made and then hopefully peel back the drugs but and also in the meanwhile we're looking for other drivers of inflammation such as oral health issues sleep issues genetic issues gut health problems all of these things play a role in artery disease and we want to address them all so that we can minimize the medicines that he's on and and that's the goal is to do this as naturally as possible while we're protecting him.
0: are other primary care physicians are they uh, are they using some diagnostic methods to find out whether their patients have insulin resistance please no I mean it's well there's always new right. listeners
1: <laughs> right so the answer is no.
0: But, but that's pathetic. I and mean, to give no. an answer no to that is the, really pathetic because if it leads to diabetes, and diabetes is such a predominantly bad disease in this country, why are they not?
1: Because insulin resistance is not a billable diagnosis. And if Who it's cares? not, well, Who cares? I, well, the doctors in this country are failing you to learn about how to prevent disease. And if they are not doing that, you need to find a doctor who's, do, who's making an effort to identify the drivers of the disease. See where you are and put you on a program that will lead to prevention because all these conditions are preventable. They're all 100% preventable. No one needs to have a heart attack in this country. No one needs to have a stroke. And no also, one. Also,
0: no one needs to be sick and dependent on medication that's priced through the roof. And be stuck to it for the rest of your life.
1: People want to be happy. They want to be healthy. They want to experience things. They want to spend time with their family and friends. And they want to enjoy life and not be, you know, medical cripples. And so in order to do that, you have to start where you are. Wherever you walk in the door is where you start. And we address it and prove you from there.
0: All right. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. So I'd quickly like to thank... Dr. Brian Colander, M.D., specialist in prevention, for being here tonight and for being willing to share his expertise and knowledge with regards to not only the prevention of disease, but also on the importance of being proactive and engaging with a practice that provides access to the necessary testing. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical, and I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin. We hope you got some useful information tonight on how to be your own advocate and take charge of your health, whatever your medical journey Thanks also to my co-host Siobhan Cronin. Please continue to tune into our shows Sunday afternoon at three, Thursday evening at seven for the latest medical updates. And thanks for listening to 760.